in these kinds of moments of self-inquiry, the impulse can be really strong to tip over into a self-denigration. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you, Jerry, what a shit I am. Right? And you're not a shit. You're a human. Complex, multivariable human. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. I felt it again, that rush of blood up my face and my stomach just churning. I got up from my computer with my head spinning, spinning up all kinds of stories, scary stories, stories of my insignificance. Wait, all of this was from an email thread on pricing? This was just a few weeks ago, and my partners at Reboot had agreed upon a pricing adjustment on a product something that I had been suggesting for some time. So I got what I wanted, right? Why was my stomach churning? And what was really going on here? It was certainly not about being right on pricing. So when I really got curious, I saw that it was much deeper for me. Something that's always there for me. A fear and a feeling of not being worthy. It's really an old fear showing up and reminding me that I'm simply not good enough to be heard. But how might this fear this feeling of being unworthy, how might it be getting in the way of me accessing a deeper, more effective communication style? How might it be showing up and holding me back from being a better leader, partner, and even husband and father? How does it stand in the way of me being my fullest self? Work is difficulty in drama, a high-stakes game in which our identity, our self-esteem, and our ability to provide are mixed inside us in volatile, sometimes explosive ways. That's from David White in his incredible book, Crossing the Unknown Sea. That volatile and explosive mix is a gift. It presents us a tremendous opportunity to do our own work, our inner work, and further develop our own understanding of self. I'm Dan Putt, one of the partners here at Reboot, and in our conversation today, Jerry is joined by Henry May, founder and CEO of CoSchool, based in Columbia. Henry comes to Jerry with this very issue. How might the journey of entrepreneurship, specifically his own, open up new opportunities for him to grow? Or said more directly, how might he use his work at CoSchool to do the real work on his humanity? Be sure to check out top links and top quotes from Henry and Jerry at reboot.io slash podcast. Now here's a quick word from Allie on our upcoming Reboot Quest. Poet and author Wendell Berry once wrote, It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And when we no longer know which way to go, we have begun our real journey. We designed our Reboot Quest with this in mind. The Quest is a special sort of boot camp. It's a trip that will take you to the amazing wilderness of the Canadian Rockies in British Columbia and support the exploration of the amazing wilderness of your own inner landscapes. Join us this September 4th through the 11th to confront personal and professional questions that won't go away. 
Perhaps you're mulling on questions such as, what's next for me? What am I really here to do? Who am I if I leave? What if I really lived in my life? Am I fit to lead this company? What do I really want? For more details and to sign up, visit reboot.io slash quest. Applications are due by April 15th, 2016. Your vision will become clear only when you can look into your heart. Who looks outside? Dreams. Who looks inside? Awakens. Carl Jung. Hey, Henry. It's good to see you again. Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on, Jerry. Uh, Well, thank you for agreeing to come on. And I know you're connecting in from the UK right now and We'll find out where you actually live on a regular basis, but why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Um, yeah, so my name's Henry, uh, Henry May, 29 years old. Uh, I went through a program called Teach First, which is the same as Teach for America, but in the UK, um, and I ended up moving to Columbia to work with Teach for Columbia. And as a result of my experiences working as a teacher, I set up a, an organization in Columbia called CoSchool two years ago. And um, what we do in CoSchool is we develop character skills and leadership skills in young people between 10 and 18 years old through one day, one week and longer programs. And we work with kids from the poorest, most vulnerable communities right through to working with kids from uh, the, the most expensive private schools. So the last two years I've been been on a, on a, on a journey in Colombia and it's been an amazing experience. And um, yeah, great to, great to be here today to, to share some of it with you, hopefully. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for that. And I, I, I want to give a shout out to our mutual friends at Unreasonable Institute. Um, we met this past summer at a talk I gave for the most recent class of the Unreasonable Institute. And I know I see you're wearing your green wristband for Unreasonable <laughs> Institute. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved with Unreasonable? Yeah, so Unreasonable Institute is a, is a phenomenal organization that that's been in going for five years or so. And what they do is they, they bring together uh, social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs tackling the world's biggest problems from all four corners of the globe and put them together for five weeks for a residential um, uh, accelerator in, in Boulder. And so we were thrilled to be selected and to go along. And, and the, the experience was transformational on a personal level first and also for our organization. I mean, we were connected with, with a fantastic bunch of mentors um, connected to the other entrepreneurs connected to, to impact investors. Um, but really that what, what came out of it more than anything for me and uh, my, my colleague that came with me was, was more of a, a journey of, of learning about ourselves and about who we were. And, and, and of course that helped us to, to really get things in focus for co-school. So we're immensely grateful to, to Teju and the Unreasonable team and, and for anyone interested in an accelerator and um, that's a bit different but really delivers, I, I'd really recommend looking it up. Well, I'm, I'm sure our friends over there will enjoy that. You know, I, I, I've been working with them uh, now for a couple of years and I'm such a deep admirer of what they're trying to do. And, you know, to your point, I think the journey of discovery into self it's a really powerful journey. And, you know, we don't often think of accelerators as accelerating a deep dive into who you really are. And, you know, as I, as I look, I remember the conversation that we had that really let, 
led to us having an email relationship, which was, you know, during a talk I had given, we started talking about your own past and your own life and some of the connections there. And, you know, when we, when we talked about you coming on, uh, you mentioned that, that uh, one of the things that was going to interest you about coming on the show would be really exploring this notion of this discovery into self and this journey into self. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I think unreasonable was was a a kind of a, one of several episodes or chapters uh, in the last couple of years that really helped to yeah to to dig deeper into who I am and and I guess confirmed this this kind of hunch that I had that actually being an entrepreneur is not necessarily about accessing capital and financing and and all these tools that are around you and and getting out into the ecosystem it's about going in and finding out what you've got inside and and that's what I've started to see in the in successful entrepreneurs around me whether they articulated or not they're they're generally the people who are who are doing really interesting meaningful work um, are people who are connecting with with themselves um, and so for, for co-school it's become a very important part of of our culture and of our organization this this journey towards selfhood for for all of us um, as individuals the the I'm reminded of one of the other um, uh, things that we uh, that we had an exchange about and that is Parker Palmer's book let your life speak yeah um, and you're smiling now because I remember a little bit of the story so I think at one point I recommended that you read that. Yeah. And what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic recommendation. I actually, the day that we met in, in Unreason, when I was kind of your, your, uh, the session that you led, uh, kind of got my, got my head spinning a bit. And I, I went for a walk down the Boulder Creek and I listened to the, to the podcast that you did with Parker Palmer. He talks about, um, taking taking breaks in white water and trying to run from your shadow and, and and a lot of those ideas really resonated with me and then reading the book um i i think it's about the third chapter when he talks about the talks about childhood and about observing his uh his his granddaughter i think it is and noticing that when a child is five or six years old full of innocence full of enthusiasm when they're really into something they're really into it and when they really want something they they go for it and they get it and then bit by bit, when they turn seven, eight, nine, ten years old, we start to put on masks and disguises as they enter school and they get friendship groups. And bit by bit, that innocent and pure self, um, in many cases, vocation is is lost or, or trapped deep within. And that really that resonated with me in thinking about the kind of the journey that I went on through school um, and resonated a lot with with the work that we do working with young people in Colombia as well. So. Parker Palmer's book. I mean, it's I kind of like my my. I have a I have a coach in Colombia, and she's like, "If you've got your Bible with you, like this, this book that I carry around with me, and and, uh, and I like to to other people to read it too." And, and it's a, it's a great book, and and it's been very very poignant and and useful for me. Yeah, I, I just glanced up at my bookshelf over here because I have my dog-eared, well-worn copy as well, um, and I've probably read it five or six times. Um, over my life, um, one of the th- many themes that I think c- 
comes out of that book relates back to some of the things that we're talking about, which is Parker's notion of how the inside of us needs to match the exterior of us. The inner has to match the outer. And that when it's out of sync and out of alignment, we start to get into trouble. Not only as leaders, where there's a disconnect with how we behave in the world, that those around us sense and mm-hmm. say there's a dissonance what's going on here. Yeah. But we also, you know, as you've heard me say before on the podcast, whether it's you know, talking to Tracy Lawrence or even talking to Parker himself, we, we, we start to lose access to some very powerful forces within ourselves when we don't spend the time to actually understand who we are. And part of the reason we don't do that, as you well know, is that it's painful. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I remember I was up on a stage at Naropa, Naropa University, where we hosted Unreasonable Institute this past summer. And we were talking, and you were staring off because the words were landing for you, weren't they? I know, I remember when your head started spinning. Because mm-hmm. I'd taken you back. Yeah. What had I taken you back to? Well, we, we, we started to, to think about um, how some of our, our, our behaviors now as, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, are in fact connected to, to things that might have happened um, in our past and, and quite a long time ago. And, and I started to connect a lot with, with experiences of when I was, a, when I was at school. Um, and when I'd been, uh, you know, 12, 13 year old boy, um, and those were things that I hadn't really accessed or really considered, uh, for, for a long time and, and things that perhaps I didn't consider as particularly important, but during, yeah, some, my head started to spin, as you said, and I started to kind of access it and, and think a little bit about the way that I, uh, behave in my organization at times seems to be a reflection of uh, things that um things that were challenging for me back then and therefore habits that I learned to deal with with those things uh and and yeah so it was a kind of a a a, a sharp moment of of, of self inquiry yeah the the so let's take note of the, of parker's observation that when we're about 6 7 8 we start to really create these masks and we start to behave in a way that we think the world wants us to behave yeah. in order to get a sense of safety, a sense of love, a sense of belonging. Yeah. And then for some of us, the world becomes a hostile place and it becomes actively hostile, not passively hostile, not subtle messages of conformity, but active messages of you are not right with the world. And uh, if I may, you use the word bullying mm-hmm. and, and your experience at a boarding school and really being uh, tortured. Is torture too strong a word? Tortured might be, might be too strong, although I think it's hard to, you, it's hard to, to, really, to really go back to, to that age. You, you learn so quickly to put up these defense mechanisms and to, to put on a mask to to be a person that's not going to get bullied 
in my case that involved I mean I was a bully as much as I was bullied by by other kids I I bullied and I became uh I used an ability to to be quick-witted and be sharp-tongued uh to protect myself and so I think um deep down there might be some 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 torture going on or some some hard things going on but the idea is you you learn to to ignore that to be strong to not be vulnerable not be weak um and 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 rise to the to the top of of whatever social circle you're in i mean in my case that's that's kind of how it was mm-hmm. you either you were kind of you were tough or 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 you were bullied mm-hmm. kill or be killed eat or be eaten give as good as you get and it starts to shape us this kind of behavior this kind yeah. of experience and how how did it or how does it cuz i don't know that we ever fully outrun those shadows yeah um how how does it show up in you say your instinctive leadership impulses well i think it becomes a kind of a, a second nature and a defense mechanism and i i guess the the ability to the ability to get people to gang up on on other people was something that i mean that's that's a, a part of the bullies arsenal i think that's something that i've noticed myself in my leadership at co school is sometimes quite easy after a difficult meeting or when someone is uh someone's made a mistake to talk to a couple of colleagues behind their back and and you know a quick joke a quick wit a little can can be so easy and so cheap um and can feel like a a win in the short term but it but it's incredibly damaging and you build it and i mean i run the risk and we run the risk of building an organization that isn't based on transparency and, and honesty and, and showing up but on but perhaps on occasional sniping and uh, bad mouthing and it's it's something i feel we're, we're not that type of organization in co-school but i felt myself and if i look back over the last years I've, i yeah i can see moments when when i behaved in in a way that was just a reaction to me feeling uh feeling defensive perhaps mm-hmm. and wanting to attack others yeah i i, I want to bring your attention to that because in these kinds of moments of self inquiry the impulse can be really strong to tip over into a self denigration mm-hmm. let me explain to you jerry what a shit i am and you're not a shit you're a human complex multivariable human right and so you just made a really important observation which was in those moments of stress and duress that aspect of your character can come out isn't that true yeah that is true yeah i, I think and that's still something i compete with and I, I, I guess I've been figuring out tools and ways to to deal with that. Stopping and breathing, being more grateful, mm. looking for looking for the positive, uh, changing language. But that still is a is something that was second nature to me for so long, and something I didn't realise. I think even in my early twenties, my first job at university, it was such an, a natural way to behave, and I never considered the the true implications of it. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a suggestion. 
which is rather than using the arising of that bullying behavior as a reason to attack yourself, use it to notice that you're under stress or use it to notice that you're feeling threatened because that's what it is. It's a defensive posture. And so even though you may exit a meeting and decide to gossip and attack someone, there's probably some underlying existential threat that's getting in the way of you accessing a deeper, uh, uh, more um, coherent leadership style. Mm -hmm. More coherent with the values that you actually have. Yeah. Right? And so when that arises, that, you know, we've often talked about using mindfulness in a particular way, and people mistake mindfulness with a kind of zoning out, blissing out, like not being here, when in fact it's actually the opposite. It's being even more present and being present to the parts of ourselves that we don't like. And so when that starts to arise or when you start to notice it in your colleagues, Rather than saying, that's bad behavior, it's counter to our values, get curious. In fact, at the last boot camp we did, we, we, we laughingly developed a hashtag, hashtag get curious. Get curious. What's going on? What's the threat that I'm feeling? Because that impulse to bully is coming up. Or I'm watching my colleagues and, whoa, they're doing something. Yeah. And maybe the existential threat isn't so obvious. Maybe it's not showing up in that moment. Maybe it's behind the scenes. But as the senior leader, your opportunity is to say, what's really going on here? And then to grow from there. Yeah. Does this resonate with you? Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to, while you're talking, I'm, I'm kind of exploring what is the what's the deeper, the next level down that I'm trying to, to protect. Mm. And in Coastal, we do, we do talk about vulnerability and, you know, exposing ourselves to, to live in moments when we're, when we're not sure what's going on. And, and I think that's still something for me that I, that I, that challenges me. And it's quite, quite hard running a, uh, being CEO of a startup in a foreign country, a foreign language many times with with a with a team most of whom are from a different country means that i think there is there is some fear at the quite near the, to the core of me about shit i i don't i'm out of my depth i'm out of my depth and how and i'm and it feels like i'm okay showing that sometimes and i'm learning when to show that other times and at the times when i'm maybe unsure about it in order to defend myself, I'll heap on a couple of layers of, of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What well, What's the big risk um, that's a, that that drives the fear? What are you afraid is going to happen? I think the 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 fear is that, well, the the ultimate fear is that things that things go things go wrong, you know, and and the the dream to which we are sacrificing so much and we're all signed up for um disintegrates and uh, and and 
the sun and I've played a role in the, in the kind of the, the disintegration of that mm-hmm. um, through not having enough experience through not being the right person at the right time. And so that's a, right. So, that, so the, so the voice of the inner critic starts to be proven correct when you envision the failing of the enterprise. Yeah. You are, you, you, who are you to do this? Come on. What do you yeah, know? And, You're a 29 year old kid. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah, and people will pat you on the back and go say, "Well, you know, you gave it a go, but you know, really, you, you weren't the you weren't the person for that organization." And you know, right? So go, go one level deeper. Who suffers if Costco fails? Yeah, who are you thinking Again, of right now? I think the, 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 I mean, I suffer. I think that the team suffer and I, it might sound cheesy, but I want to, I want to say that I think the, the, the kids in Colombia that, that we work with and that rely on us or that we might work with one day that would never have the opportunity to will, will also suffer. So it feels like there's, there's a lot at stake. It feels like I, we've got. Henry, it doesn't sound cheesy. That's that UK boarding school voice coming up. There's nothing cheesy about putting the future of those children top of mind like that. That's not cheesy. My daughter teaches in Nashville. She did go through the Teach for America program. She's once a week, we're talking about how difficult that job is. Just being in a classroom. She's not in a foreign country. She's not trying to instill a sense of values and leadership. There's nothing cheesy about this. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like we're it feels like we're onto something. We're 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 developing an organization that makes great impact, that creates stories of transformation, that could really do something and do something for a lot of people. And so, I guess as the as the, the the kind of the opportunity gets bigger, it feels like that risk gets bigger as well. Like, what if it comes crashing down? You know, what if this kind of, I don't know, like a, a magnificent building that we created, mm-hmm. like what if it's what if the foundations aren't quite solid enough and and it and it goes wrong? And then you know, who was the who was the person who kind of was the architect and the mm-hmm. and, a, and a builder of, of this? It was me, and I, I, that's yeah, it's. it's that's kind of scary to think about. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. How close are you to the kids in the programs? Do you know them? Still pretty, still pretty close. I, I, I still lead the occasional group. I visit the projects that we, that we run. I'm still pretty, pretty connected. Um, Does any uh, kid come to mind? Um, I think about the, I probably think more about the, some of the some of the kids from the, the from the low incomes that we've worked with, and these these really nice or quirky stories that emerge of kids that did a program with us, a kid called Jackie that did a program with us that, as a result of that, won a scholarship to a university in Bogota. You know, it's a, it's a, thanks to Co School, this crazy idea. There are little pockets of of transformation, and people who Co School comes into their life for a few weeks, they come out the other end they see the world in a different way and they go on and they 
they do something differently. What was, so that's, what was Jackie's uh, life like before Coastal? So Jackie, um, my my one of one of my one of my team, my great uh, partner and friend, Laura, used to teach in uh, Northwest Colombia in a uh, place called Uruba, um, which is pretty uh, war torn and lots of problems with paramilitaries and. and um, Garijas and all the all the type of bad press you might imagine with Colombia concentrated in in Uruba, and Jackie uh, Laura taught there. And after after she taught there, she worked with Coastal as our director of recruitment. And she still works with us. She invited Jackie and a couple of friends to come down and participate in our in our summer camp as mentors. And so these three girls came to Bogota for the first time, and shoulder to shoulder with kids from private schools and public schools in in Bogota. Had a great time, made a great impact, fitted right in, uh, and and Jackie kind of cur- was curious about staying in Bogota or, st- or seeing what other options were out there. And uh, Laura helped her get an interview with a university, and now she she won a scholarship to study at university in Bogota. And so she's gone from um, a part of the country where her future was pr- probably limited. Um, by by several factors to a, to a city where and a university in Bogota where there's a lot more opportunity for her and and she can really flourish and fulfil her potential. So it's a it's a it's a nice story about how how co school um, can can come into to a young person's life and and help them uh, see the world in a different way, and see themselves in a different way. Um, Who does she remind you of? Um, hmm. Well, I was actually talking, um, staying with my parents in London last night. I was talking to my parents about this last night and saying that I think the more I get into co-school and the more that I see what we're doing in co-school, the more I, I kind of, I definitely didn't see it like this when I started out. It was, I mean, it was like, no, this is a, a great idea. I'm going to save the world and, and we're going to do a great thing for Colombia and for the kids and for the peace process. And, and but more and more, and I was all I was saying to my parents last night. More and more, I think co-school is a reaction to to my to my childhood and the type of experiences that I would have loved to have had at school. It's not to say that I mean I had a bad childhood. I'd have, I really I was brought up in a loving environment and I had great friends and, and I enjoyed my time at school. Um, however, I would have loved to have done a co-school program. I would have loved to have learned uh, about empathy, perseverance, creativity, teamwork, leadership. Um, I would have loved to have done a project that changed my community around me and had the chance to, to really explore myself and really name those skills and, and, and experience that a journey of, of learning about myself when I was at school. So I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to, the, the foreign context and, mm. and the, the, the stories of the kids are different to, to mine, but at the core of it is something that there's something really, really great about co-school, which is we work with kids from private schools, from public schools, from rural communities, from urban communities, and we see the same need in all of them. It's the same need that you had. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this before the recording started about how one of the powerful things about the podcast is realizing the universality of so many of these human needs. Yeah. And, 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 and so what I'm hearing is you're connecting with the fact that, as you said to your parents, in some ways you've created the school that you wanted. So that's yeah. one level of inquiry. Yeah. 
and it, the interesting thing was it wasn't that that realization has only started to happen now recently okay i'm gonna really do it to you couldn't make that connection when i first started all right but, remember what i did to you this summer i'm gonna do it again okay okay you said to me that you wanted to explore the notion of entrepreneurship as a journey of self a journey yeah. into self can you see that you're using code school to do that right now you're actually giving to yourself the very thing that you're giving to your children, to the students. Mm. The yeah. power of vulnerability, the power of radical self-inquiry, the yeah. power of actually understanding what's really going on. Totally. You're it's, living it as you're teaching it. Yeah, as one, as one of the one of the most gratifying and surprising um, uh things that started to happen with co-school is the stories from the team and 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 they're they're all they all ring a bell with e with each other because people in the team say i've been on a co-school program this year i i'm the one who's learning these skills my great friend ed who came over from england to to, to join the co-school team says i probably haven't contributed that much to co-school the business but for me personally i've learned so much about myself and i've been on such a journey of learning that that's an that's an amazing thing to to hear and it's an amazing thing to consider myself yes. and i know that it's the same thing as is happening to me and, and has happened to me yeah. um i want to bring your attention to something really important here in the parker palmer podcast he makes a joke that he often makes which is uh quoting socrates you know the unexamined life is not worth living and then he goes on to say and if you choose to live an unexamined life, please don't work with people. Yeah. And so it's a very funny line. Here's the power of examining your life. When a leader doesn't examine their life and doesn't create a coherence between the inner and the outer, the normal human tendency to use our world around us to resolve our inner conflicts continues, mm -hmm. but it creates a kind of narcissistically driven dissonance within the organization. Yeah. Right. And so what happens, we've all worked for bosses who kind of, you feel like you're being used because you are, and they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. The power of what you guys are now doing is by connecting to your past, connecting to those past motivations, by seeing the content of co-school as not only a journey for those kids, but a journey for yourselves, and embracing that, you, you take it out of the shadow, and you bring it forward, and you say, wait, co-school isn't just a bunch of smart people who are going to teach these benighted children something mm -hmm. about integrity and leadership. Co-school yeah. is a platform for everyone yeah. to grow. Yeah. The I think one of the one of the words that I that I've grown to love is is limitless. Mm. I feel like if you concentrate on the outer things and the material things that can be tweaked and changed and adjusted, there there are always limits and goals and it's measurable. The 
I mean, it's it's a challenge that soft skills and these types of skills that we work on and, and these journeys are not so measurable, but they're also limitless. There's, as you go into the, yourself and you help children discover all those skills, there's no end and there's no end to the possibilities. There's not there's not a there's not an end point. It's a it's an awakening of a of a of a self of a, the the switching on of a of a light that continues to give and grow. Um, and that's what that's incredibly exciting to be part of an organization. You, you, you in, in, in a sense, harken back to, to a very profound Buddhist concept, which is that we don't really ever, I mean, we can achieve enlightenment, but, but it's the practice, it's the movement towards that awakening that's the most important thing. And I loved your notion that it's limitless because it is. There's just, it's an endless realm of depth and growth and further self-actualization. You know, at Reboot, we often talk about using work to further the process of becoming more human. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so when that happens, our whole relationship with stress and existential dilemma starts to mitigate because it becomes merely hard work. It, be- it, it doesn't become in conflict with me who, as who I am. Yeah. Right? It's... it's uh, it enables us to approach every single job, every single work situation, as a means to that further self-exploration, self-journey. Yeah, and the clo- to, to me, there's a it's a it's a movement or a choice towards love and and love versus fear. The more truly and wholeheartedly you can love who you are and what you do, the less fear and that little voice of fear that, that can be so damaging and so loud sometimes starts to go in. And like you say, whatever whatever job, whatever decision you make or wherever you go, if you continue to live life wholeheartedly and with love, you, you, sh- you, should, you should be okay. Oh, that was so beautifully said. So, so beautifully said. You know, I think we've, we've really hit upon something here that's really important, which is this, this, you know, this continual practice of growth and self-actualization, you know. I wanted yeah. to, to shift a little bit and, and really talk about um, something we were talking about before in terms of the podcast itself, and that is that... Um, you said that, that you found the podcast helpful in this way. And, and uh, I just want to note that you're giving back to the podcast listeners in precisely the way that we enjoy, which is, you know, for you, it's been an incredible journey at Coast School. Mm-hmm. And just sharing that experience has been a gift to me. Well. Thank you. I mean, the, the the podcast and and the stories and the, and the, the characters that that I get to listen to on on the podcast uh, is is so refreshing to hear that in in this kind of confusing world of entrepreneurship about Series A and Series B and Mark Zuckerberg and and funding, finance, operations, team, growth, unicorns. 
And I mean, a lot of that is 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 bollocks. I mean, as mm. we say in England, like it really is. It really is the the the, the you know the the true heroes and the, the the entrepreneurs really giving all of themselves to to their startups to do to do meaningful work and to do it well for the right reasons, which is a phrase that I that I, I, I love that you use. Mm. Um, they're out there. And they need to be. Their voices need to be heard, and we need to we need to share uh, the the journeys that we're on and the experiences that we're having, so that we know it's okay not to not to be one of these one of these kind of crazy stories up in up in the up in the in the, in the stars, which are just not realistic and not rooted in in the day to day real life uh, environments of startups. And so, for me, just hearing these stories and hearing people share their vulnerability and share their their weaknesses their their hopes um for their startups it's very easy to connect uh very easy to connect with people who are who are living wholehearted lives and, and being being really true and, and showing up um yeah it's, it's great to hear the stories and to hear a story from europe and north america and everywhere else and, and to know that regardless of industry um, age, uh, there's there's a great sense of union bet- between us. Yeah, well, I, I you know I could not have said it better. You know, it's for me. It's you know I've I've had some incredible guests on the show over the year, year and a half now that we've been on, and you know I'll confess that my favorite guests are the entrepreneurs, as I said before, the entrepreneurs that nobody's ever heard of. Um, you know, because hearing those stories and understanding what that experience is is incredibly valuable. So, Henry, I, I just want to thank you for coming on and talking about this journey for you. And um, it, it's really, as I said before, it's been a real pleasure and honor uh, to connect with you. And and I will make sure that Parker knows to listen to this podcast and know what uh, what an influence he's had uh, with that wonderful little book. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much and and keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode from links to books, to quotes, to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right?